Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. All right, good morning. So there is a lot of stuff going on in the markets right now. And uh, today I'm actually joined by someone who I follow on TikTok. He produces really, really great investment commentary. And um, I thought it would be great to have him on just to provide some insights to what's going on at the markets right now. What I guess he's seeing across the TikTok sphere in the marketplace, certainly from his day job as well, what he does for a living. He's actually been a stock a stockbroker for 13 years and he's the founder of Mito Markets. And I'm so happy that Tim has been able to join me today. Tim, <laughs> welcome, mate. Thank you so much. I got to say, I'm absolutely honored to be here. I've been watching your content from afar for months now, sort of hoping and manifesting that one day we'd our paths would cross and here we are today. So yeah, absolutely chuffed to be on here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, nah, no worries. You know, it was one of your TikToks that you put out. Um, I can't remember what the premise of it all was, but you were like, I think it was where someone was like, you were talking about the fact that people are buying um, companies and they're missing like the fundamentals around it. Like, there's a reason why the stock has fallen 15, yeah. 20%. Yeah. Like that isn't the signal to go buy the dip. It's like, look at the company. The company's not a good company. Yeah. So why yeah. are you buying it if it's 15, 20% down because you're buying the dip? And I was like, we need to have a conversation about it. So yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? That actually came from, because so often... I'm just sort of sitting or standing in the background. I can overhear a conversation, you know, with a couple of people. I've seen this has come down 80%. It's going to be a buy. Surely it's going to be a buy. And I'm thinking in my head, what crap company? I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. And there's so many times I just want to interject in someone else's conversation. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those situations. And I'll give you an example. One that's really spoken about a lot at the moment is PayPal. And... Mm -hmm. Obviously, you look at PayPal and on a chart, it's come down a tremendous amount. And it's, it's, I think there just needs to be a bit of an understanding that the PayPal from X years ago, when it was high and mighty and sort of producing revenue growth, 35, 40%, is not the PayPal you see today. It's a completely different marketplace. PayPal eight years ago didn't have Apple Pay to compete with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe just an understanding that a stock just doesn't go down hard without it being a fundamentally different company. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll hark back probably to one of my biggest trading mistakes. Well, my biggest trading mistake. I was buying into this junior oil company called Range Resources. Absolute pile of garbage company. It was easy, very speculative. Um, and I just got emotionally invested, completely emotionally invested. You know, they've got this oil reserve in Georgia. They've got one in Trinidad and Tobago. It's only a matter of time before they strike oil. And I just kept following the share price down, plugging it with another thousand pounds, goes down 30%, another thousand pounds. And it just got to the point where it's like, wow, I've seen five grand turn into like 50 quid. This is incredible. Because if you think about it, you're investing, if you're averaging down, you're investing in your own stupidity. And if you buy stocks, which have already gone up into your portfolio, then you're investing into your good decision-making patterns. And it's, it's quite a common mistake I see is, You've got this confirmation bias. You've got your heart set on company XYZ. goes down 10 20%. So you buy more. Well, actually, it kind of just shows that your initial investment decision was maybe the wrong one because it's gone down. Well, so you're actually investing into your own stupidity. 
And what will happen is the ones that are actually performing well, you'll cut those profits and you get a situation where you're just cutting winners and buying losers. Um, probably like 101 of how not to invest. And it's yeah, so common, very frustrating indeed to see. So how long ago was that with the um, with the oil company? How long ago was it, do you say? Years ago. So that would have been when I first started, probably 13 years ago. I knew, I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> Still don't know too much. I was learning every day. But... <laughs> There was this sort of excited hubbub on the trading floor. There's a few traders talking about this junior oil company. And I was just sort of the T-boy. And I was overhearing these conversations, getting uber excited that these senior traders are all sort of excited about this stuff. And I'm on the inside level. I'm hearing them talk about it. So I'm like, right, let's log into my Harbury Sandstone account and stick a thousand pounds into that. And I've got no idea what they're doing. They, God knows, they could be short selling it and buying it and doing everything. But I was so emotionally attached to the story. Um, and this was a, if you think about it, this is a company that has nothing. They don't produce any revenue. There's no PE ratio because to have a PE ratio, you have to have earnings. There's no earnings to speak of. So we're just on a wing and a prayer that they will, you know, Black and Decker drill, hopefully they find oil and it goes up. But it's just, it was, it was, it was awful. Um, when we go back into junior oil companies anytime soon. <laughs> do, do you think, because, a lot of stuff that you mentioned there is speaking yeah. to the psychology of investing. Yeah. And I think it's very, very easy to fall into this trap of, I've picked this company. This is what I notice all the time, right? Mm. I notice people use the phrase, I believe in the company. I hear yeah. that phrase all the time. I believe in the company. And that's the justification for doubling down. Yeah. And it's so, so hard to admit that, okay, maybe I was wrong. As, as you say, I'm invested in my own stupidity now. Let me yeah. cut my losses and then move on to something else. Yeah. And the emotional attachment between I've sunk like two grand into this thing. It's yeah, now yeah. worth exactly. I want I want a chance exactly. to get my money back. Slicey. Uh and it, it, it's hard yeah. to avoid. Um and yeah, the, the, if you if you say you believe in the company, if we're talking about Apple or Microsoft, you know, these huge Silicon Valley companies that have a multi decade a decade track record of growing earnings, great. If we're talking about some sort of speculative company which has got to little to no revenue, no earnings, then you can land yourself in an absolute trouble pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with your background as a stockbroker, just explain to people what a stockbroker actually does because I think there's a little... People may not necessarily understand what a stockbroker does or yeah. did back in the day. It's a I think they think of Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's almost becoming a bit of a, a retired term because you don't actually hear the phrase stockbroker anymore. You hear about yeah. a wealth manager or you hear about a trade platform like trading two or two, whatever it may be, or arguers. So stockbroker in the most traditional sense, before you know easy access trade platforms existed, you'd have to actually call up a broker and say, I'd like to buy some shares in Lloyd's and they would do that transaction on your behalf. We charge a small fee for that. You're given some shares, winner, winner. Um, I think nowadays you kind of now just get either a wealth manager or an online trading platform. So it's quite rare to find, you know, stockbrokers that still exist. And it's my day-to-day -day job. I run a trade platform, Mito Markets, and people can log on. They can trade, you know, whatever they want at any time. That's fine. But they also like to have access to a qualified stockbroker at the other end of the line. I'll give you an example. So yesterday I had a chat say, listen, Tim, I really want to have exposure to the India and I just don't know what to buy. Can you give me a list of ETFs or shares I can buy? So that's my job to then go, right, 
let's look at the most liquid ETFs funds, what futures he can possibly buy and go back with some research and some report. So it's a completely different level of service. Um, and then there's also things like you might want to just give your stockbroker the the keys to the to the money and say, listen, you make all the investment decisions. I have complete faith in you. And there's a bit of that going on. Um, so I run a model portfolio, which is global equity growth, and it's predominantly big tech companies. But there's also stuff other stuff in there as well, like Crocs, for instance, or WHMS, which I'm quite bullish on as well. But the you know mm-hmm. the theme is growth and technology with some other really good individual companies in there too. So I think stockbroker is kind of all encompassing. And when I first started out, my first job, it was very much like what you described, Wolf of Wall Street. It was horrendous. I had 400 phone calls a day. And it was this, you had this environment whereby someone would be fired every week if they weren't bringing in enough clients and enough assets. And we're not talking about a team of 100 people. We're talking about a team of 11 guys who are all sort of 19 to 24 years old. Um, and uh, there was this one horror story. I remember this chap had his lunch break with his subway, put it down, started to open it up. Boss, he gets the big hand on the shoulder. Don't start eating your subway. It's time to go. And yeah, it, you know, it's changed so much. You wouldn't really get that now, but there was still a lot of that going on when I was coming into the industry. So yeah, pretty toxic, if I'm honest with you. It's not, it's not that pleasant. You know, the funny thing, though, is that I think a lot of people look at that and think, oh, that would have been, that would be so amazing. I'd love to be in there. But it's like, it's so cutthroat. And how you make 400 calls a day, bearing in mind, you're probably only there for seven to eight hours a day. That's constantly dialing. That's constantly being in front of people. And you have to be quick about it as well to get your numbers up, get the the transition through. It's, It's a completely different world. It's mad. I couldn't do it now. You could only do that as a young man. And I'd, I'd get there at eight and then sort of work till about seven, eight in the evening. And the reason I made so many calls is if you were to get fired, normally they'd call you on your internal line first. So I thought if I never let my receiver <laughs> down, they can never fire me. And that, that really was it. Because I thought I'd, I'd finish school and go, boom, right, next next one. So they can never get through to my internal yeah. line. So they can never fire me. But also meant that, yes, I did actually bring in quite a few assets because it was, I wasn't the most talented, but I was definitely the hardest working. Um, but I suppose, yeah, yeah. I'd avoid that environment if you can. Yeah, it looks exciting, but it's absolutely miserable and stress and pressure once you're in it. And it actually turned me into, genuinely turned me into a bit of a horrible person at times. Like, if I could sense someone was underperforming, I'd, I'd do horrible things. I'd, I'd, you know, wait for them to leave the office for the evening at six, seven. I'd loiter around their desk. I'd look on their notepad, see who their top prospects were, have them lined up. So the moment they're fired, I'm calling their top prospects straight away. So it turns you into an animal. And and I didn't like that. So I'm glad I've, it's in the rear view mirror. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask you then, how did you get that first job doing that in the first instance? What, how did that transpire? Yeah, it was um it was it was a, it was a difficult one because I don't I don't come from an academic background. I, I left school um at fifty. So for me it was literally just I just put it into Google brokerage jobs because i thought i want to do something respectable with my life and i can't become a solicitor i can't become a lawyer um but brokerage you don't seem to need any qualifications if you're young and enthusiastic they'll take you in they need cheap labor yeah. i need a leg up in the marketplace and it's a perfect fit so you start off like i describe a bit of a t-boy hitting the phones you build a bit of a reputation it's like wow i've seen that tin guys it really hits the phones and it's a small world the word gets around so then after a while you sort of go to a better job you have a bit of a reputation 
and it just kind of goes up from there and there really nice nice <laughs> nice so in terms of what you you're doing now then obviously you're running your own your own company your own you're providing those service or services on that level how does tiktok fit into that picture because obviously social media is very very important in terms of the educational piece but mm -hmm. how did you how did you come to to land on tiktok because like i said your videos are always very very informative and very very real and i love the fact that you also take the people that try and take the piss out of you <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what the inspiration was behind it. I just, I'm not a, a marketing expert, but I know I have to learn to run my own company. So you just have to sort of throw yourself in the deep end. If you look at the early TikTok videos, I mean, they are horrific. It's during lockdown. I haven't shaved my hairs <laughs> right now. I look like Frankie Cocoso, a, a more trampy version. <laughs> and then... After a while, I just, I was trying to be very informative and very, oh, yeah, yeah. But then I just stopped giving a fuck and just saying how it is. And actually, those videos started to do well. So I think for me, it's just a nice way to express what the brand is and who you're dealing with. And it's such a nice community because then people jump to the comments section and say, I've got this stock, I've got 5250 that hasn't moved in five years and I can respond to that video. And it just creates a really nice community of kind of where about as a company. Um, and then, yeah, every once in a blue moon, someone will go, oh, I saw you on TikTok, I'd like to set up an account, which is just a nice bonus. Nice. But it's, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't bring a huge business, so I just enjoy it. Yeah, good. So how are you finding things at the moment? Because obviously inflation, interest rates, it's all a bit of a mess from, you know, I guess from an economic point of view and a global outlook. I mean, what's your take on everything that's happening right now? What are you finding? Yeah, we're we're on this... We're in, as I would say, we're in the middle of the tunnel, you know. Um, inflation in most places is pretty much starting to peak out now and we're sort of seeing it now on the on the downturn, which is brilliant. And where we go from here, we're all sort of waiting around for a sense of where the direction goes now because obviously we, we've seen equity markets rally in anticipation of a rate cut. Um, but we're not quite getting it. In fact, there might still be one more rate cut uh, rate hike instead of rate cut guys yeah um and for me i don't i don't really get too bogged down with the macroeconomics on a daily basis because otherwise it just creates noise i just stick to the good companies and i know what the good companies are i look at their return capital employed i look at their free cash flow to, to price i look at their earnings per share and if the company is fundamentally a good company then the noise shouldn't matter because these are companies that i've ridden out multiple economic downturns. I'm talking about your your, your Apples, your Microsofts, um, big international companies where it shouldn't really matter. So I'm kind of expecting once we've had this summer correction, I'm I'm quietly bullish on the market. You know, we should okay. be nice. going into a sort of a you know the, the rate hikes are behind us. We can now focus on a potential rate cut or at least a pause. Companies can catch up. And this economic downturn has probably been the most well-telegraphed economic downturn I've ever seen. There's that, it's not that sort of 2008 shock at all that just takes us all by shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no yeah. carpet pulling from under our feet. This has been so well-telegraphed. So I'm, I'm fairly calm about the situation. I'm really happy with the stocks that I've got. So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't pace me too much, to be honest with you. But yeah, corrections happen. It's just part and parcel. You know what? That's really, really refreshing because, like, if you if you if you live by what goes on and what is said on YouTube, you will think the world is going to freaking end. It's like, yeah, it drives me nuts. And it's like, right, the macro detail is there. I yeah. believe that you probably need to understand 
roughly how it works. But you've made a great point. It's about the companies that you invested in. If yeah. you're trying to pick, you know, the little tittle-tattle companies, then I'm sorry, you're going to be in for a hiding. <laughs> if you're taking some of these big companies that have been around for a while, like you say, have they've they've weathered the storm of this kind of situation before. Yeah. There isn't really that much you should be concerned about because they're strong. I think yeah. what a lot of, I guess, investors and first-time investors get bogged down in is, what stock can I buy that's going to give me the best return? And it, 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 it makes some of the bigger companies feel like it's not sexy enough. And drives me nuts when people say uh, a seven percent return. That's rubbish. And I'm like, yeah. What planet? Yeah. <laughs> what planet? It's a seven percent return. Rubbish. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. And I think there there is this real misconception that because the company is so big, they can't outperform the wider market. And so many times I get sort of hit with Apple's gone to a trillion dollars. How much more can it grow? Well, first company to then go to tr two trillion, then the first company to go to three trillion. And just when you think they've run out of ideas, bang, they'll come up with something else. Apple Pay, boom. It's it's a whole new revenue stream. Mm. Um, so I, I'm investing in their innovation, um, their team of data programmers, innovators. I mean, I quite like the idea that if I were to apply for a high-level job at Apple, my CV would just go straight through the shredder. And I like that. You know, they, they, they are very good at what they do. And it's their job. They have billions of dollars 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 dedicated to just creating the next product the next innovation um so yeah i think the idea that just because the company's big they can't keep growing i mean microsoft is a good example they the last 10 years they've they've had i think something in the region of 26 percent compound increase in their share price for the last decade which is just phenomenal and you say microsoft you probably think what a boring company <laughs> well the yeah. returns aren't boring at all they're, they're fantastic you know yeah 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 absolutely it's interesting because um, Apple, I think you're right. It's one of those, I don't know how they do it, if I'm honest. I mean, I <laughs> all of my devices, all of my devices are Apple. And they yeah. talk about the Apple uh, ecosystem. Yeah, It's pretty mad the way everything's interconnected. And every single time you think there couldn't possibly be anything else that you can come up with, yeah. there's a new idea. Like the VR headset that I came up with, I think, I'm not, I was watching it thinking, oh my. It, it took me back and I started thinking of um, the film Ready Player One. Yeah. That's what I went to immediately. It's like, maybe they watched that movie and thought, how can we make an approximation of that in a really nice, cool way? And it puts things like, let's just shave it. Um, like, they are so big now. They can they don't need to acquire a company. They can just turn their hand to a new industry and go, right, let's make a car. Boom. You know, they've, they've got more money. They've got more cash in the bank then i think every government bar three or four you know apart from america france china united kingdom they are richer than any nation state so if they want to set up a car company they can just do it you know what on that i went to i went to a wedding in greece a month ago and on the beach um in um just uh, across the cove from um hanya i can't remember what it's called now but it's the beach in greece that has the purple uh the pink sand yeah, there was a guy who was flying a drone because I took my drone, and yeah. I asked him, you know, so how you doing? He was from New York, and I said, oh, what do you do? And he goes, I work for Apple, wow. and I asked him. So obviously the headset, the VR headset, was amazing. Like he goes, I worked on that, and I said, what's this business about? You know, the car. Do you think they'll do it? And he went, no comment. And I'm like, okay, it's possible. Tells you what you need to do. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. He goes, no comment. 
but he was like, there are some very, very exciting things that Apple are working on for the future. Yeah. And obviously they've got the resources and the capital to be able to do that. And they've got very, very talented people working to make it happen as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly impressed by them. <laughs> like, like I said, it's kind of a place where I could probably never get a look in, in terms of a job. So that's, that's what you need to know. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like mistakes then that you're seeing, um, kind of maybe first time investors making at the moment, what are the, maybe what are the common ones that you're finding at the moment? Um, I think impatience is, is, is a big one. Um, quite often you can see someone buy some stock in what is, I would say a good company in the long term, And, you know, it, it might not do anything for a few weeks or even three or four months. Um, and they're sort of assessing the performance of a multi-decade company on a three month period, which is just crazy. Um, and if it is a good company, providing you haven't bought stock in some sort of crap meme stock like AMC or, or whatever it may be, or some kind of like speculative Bitcoin, the company's good and they're growing the revenue and they're growing their earnings, then why are you in such a rush? Let them mature and do what they're meant to do. They're, they are there to deliver higher share price. They have a whole boardroom dedicated to increasing the share price. So let them do their work. So impatience in, in is, is a huge one. And I think people are so trigger happy to just cut their winners. You know, you see a profit go... <laughs> cut it, snatch it. You've, you've just been proven right. The investment is good. It's catching some momentum on the upside. Let it run. Let it do the hard work now. It, you know, it doesn't care about you. So just let it do its work. So yeah, I think those are the two common ones is impatience and just cutting wood is too early. Do you think that that's all down to education though? Because I think you're right. I think, <clears throat> especially with social media, because attention spans are so much shorter now. Yeah. There is this kind of air of, I need to see these returns quickly. People just yeah. don't understand that actually, as you said, it is a multi-decade project. I mean, yeah. it's not a quick win. I mean, you might as well be trading if that's going to be your game. Just go, just go learn trading. Yeah. And maybe not investing specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's a whole sort of swathe of TikTokers who are dedicated towards sort of technical analysis and day trading and stuff like that. And that is, you know, if, if you're very good at it and you dedicated several hours a day to doing that, great, good for you. I'll be honest with you, I think technical analysis to someone who's new to it can be more dangerous, can do more harm than good. If you want to, you know, indulge in your own confirmation bias, you can just find the chart pattern. You know, oh, it's gone down to the 50-day moving average. Oh, but hold on, now it looks a bit oversold. So maybe I'll just look at the oversold RSI, which will just give me that, you know, confirmation bias. I think ultimately these short-term trading habits will just do you more, more harm than good. Maybe in a few years, once you understand, you know, the fundamentally you've done it for a few years, you've experienced a few wins and probably a few losses, delve back into it. But yeah, there is definitely the short-term trading nature and it probably stems on from this whole Bitcoin craze because people were used to seeing just an asset price go up 40 cents in a day and they just think that's normal. Mm -hmm. It's not normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you yeah. you know, it, 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 that's just not how it goes. And there's, there's um, a really good TikToker, I think it's called um kosher podcasts something like that and they talk about you know you're you're winning money but you'll you, you you'll you'll never be successful because you're always going to give that away it's not sustainable mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I think the short-term nature of it is is probably more damaging than, than than healthy in my opinion yeah so the prognosis for you outlook is is pretty much positive in terms of the direction of travel you think for investments with the, the near term would you say always um and generally speaking for 
I mean, my, my stockbroking career, I'd say, changed a lot when I moved from UK-centric stocks to US-centric stocks. Yes, there's going to be FX risk. There's, you can't get away from that. But US companies are just focused on nothing but growth. They don't really indulge in a, a dividend payout scheme or anything like that. They take their money, they reinvest it for more growth. They're so much more focused on growth. So I think that was a huge turning point. So yes, bullish in the market, but I'll take the FTSE outside because I don't really even look at it that much anymore. I'm just concentrating on the US yeah. market. I think secondly, don't be afraid to think that maybe it's too difficult or what? If picking out stocks is too difficult, then just avoid it altogether. It's risky business. Just do an index tracker. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Warren Buffett, he's famous for saying, even, I mean, most hedge fund managers struggle to outperform the S&P 500, just a passive index tracker over the long term. And he's absolutely banging the money. If you try to get too clever, eventually it's like, you know, you have a few wins, but it's like going to the roulette table. Eventually your numbers are not going to come in and you're going to have to have a huge yeah. hammering loss on some, you know, you, you ventured out of your safe space bought some, you know, mid-market speculative stock and just ruins an otherwise very good portfolio. Just take an index tracker. There's nothing wrong with that. I do it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mainly use ETFs and index fund for my for my investing because I just don't I prefer to have the diversification. It's a wide varied group of companies that are yeah. all large international young com producing companies. It's like why would I want to go and sit there? I mean, I have some individual stocks. I love Tesla. I've got mm -hmm. a Tesla. Calm yeah. helped me buy the stock. So my stocks in Tesla have done very, very well. Extremely volatile. Elon yeah. messes me off sometimes. But, <laughs> yes. you know, it's one of those things where I love the product. I love the car. They are now at this point where they are generating profit. They have got yes. good revenues. They are yeah. four leaders in, in their little bubble. They've got yeah. competition now. There's things that they need to get right. But I've got a very small amount of money in those type of companies. Generally yeah, yeah. speaking, it's in, in index funds because I don't have to think about it. At least I know that these are good, reliable companies. And yes, it's going to go up. Yes, it's going to go down. But I'm happy to to go on that ride and opposed to yeah. me worrying about, did I pick the right company? Oh my God, it's down 10%. What should I be doing? And and thinking about all of that stuff. I think there, there are better things to do in life than, than being sat there and worrying about what my portfolio is doing and whether I need to move things around. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I've spoken about this actually on a previous TikTok. Um, it's not, yeah, the returns are, are one thing. There's also another thing. And it's like, are you going to be able to sleep at night if you're in a volatile stock? Is it going to concern you if you wake up and something like Tesla's had an adverse reaction to quarterly results and you see it down 8%? How is that actually going to make you feel in your heart of hearts? Because if that's going to cause you worry or anxiety, stop it. Just index tracker or even that might be too much for you. So it's, yes, the potential returns are one thing, but how's it going to make you feel? Because it doesn't go in your favor every time. One thing I can guarantee, losses happen along the way. It's just parts and parcel. Yeah. Um, but if it makes you feel any better, I'm begrudgingly, because um, I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk either, but I do like Tesla stock. And it is, it is in the model portfolio, very sort of small weighting. But when they started to actually consistently turn a profit over several quarters, and they are still showing in the region of 50% growth year over year, and there's still a whole spectrum of products that they're yet to venture into. I did, you know, despite my differences, well, I know it, but my qualms of, with Elon Musk, I did buy the stock. So yeah, fingers crossed it goes to the moon from here. <laughs> But this was really good. So how do people find you on TikTok? Um, what's the best way to contact you if they want to have a little chat or even check you out? 
Yeah, I'm always receptive to messages. Just DM me on any social handle. Uh, it's at Mitto Market, M-I-T-T-O Market. Mitto Market's on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, or you could just go to mittomarkets.com and drop me a view. So yes, I'm always available. Awesome. Right, so Tim, thank you so much for joining me. If you have enjoyed this episode, I encourage you, please make sure that you give us either a review on one of the podcast outlets. If you're watching us on YouTube, because this will be out at 12 p.m. on Monday, um, then feel free to either leave a comment. But definitely, definitely, definitely smash the like button. It just means that other people like you will get to see and listen to this conversation um, after it's it's basically gone out to you. Um, and if you haven't subscribed already, consider subscribing. There'll be more guests where we'll be talking about investing. I've not spoken about investing for some time because like everyone's been asking me about interest rates and inflation and just day-to-day -day finance. It's been quite nice to have this conversation around investing again and, and talk about some nuances. But hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you next week. Remember, money is a tool. Life's a living. Catch you later on.